Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 246 of Allied Strategies. My name is Tristan, joined as always by my friend Benjamin. Hello. And my friend Sam. Hello. This week, we are going to talk about M21 spoilers. We've each picked out some cards, and we're going to talk about them. Those of you new to listening to Allied Strategies, this is something we do pretty much every time there's a new set. Whenever we come out of interesting ideas for show topics, which is pretty frequently, we revert to this strategy of just picking some cards out, three each, and talking about them. Uh, we picked out cards this week mostly for Constructed. In future, we may do some limited... We, historically, we've usually done like a zero to one limited versions of this show for each set, but I think it's more likely this time around that we're going to land on the side of zero, given... Uh, it's a core set without actual live limited tournaments. Or Tristan, limited is dead. Okay. There's no limited on the pro tour anymore. There's no limited tournaments. I guess you. Yeah, can I think I think on. we'll do a number. We'll do a number of limited shows equal to the number of times that I'm going to draft this set. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I really hope Caroline makes you draft. Are you, are you, are you actually, actually not going to do a draft of the set? I think it's pretty unlikely. I think I did zero drafts of the previous core set. It's just like there weren't any events for it. And I don't know. Core set. It, I, I, I do like core set draft when it's well executed, but it's hard to get me super excited about it. I, I did do like 30 to 40 Akoria drafts in spite of them being irrelevant for everything. But I, I just don't really envision myself doing that for this. I have done zero Ikoria drafts. I do not know any of the commons in that set. I barely even know what the rares do. Ikoria was a good draft format. I, I think you missed out, Ben. That's too bad, but uh, it's just, the, you know, there's no point. Sam, do you believe the format was changed for the better or for the worse when companions were uh, neutral orbit? I think for the worse, but not like... They weren't such a big part of the experience that you... Uh, that that like it would ruin the format, but I think, you know, especially some of the the like it's tough because it hits the the worst companions even more. Like I thought Karuga was a very fun companion to draft around, and it and like this change I think would completely obliterate Karuga and draft. I I will admit I did zero drafts after the change happened, but I do think it was probably pretty meaningful. Hmm. Yeah. I I think that I think that the the companions were in a pretty good place in limited pre nerf, and now it's uh, I don't know. I mean, it's whatever. It's a, it's a, the format is over. But if I were ever to get together with a friend with some friends and draft a box of Ikoria, pretty sure we would have to roll the companions to just work the way they're printed. Yeah, I think I would do the same. All right, um, let's move on to our main topic. But first, we get to do our card of the week segment. But even firster. We get to thank our supporters at Patreon.com. Our illustrious friends of the podcast, the cream of the crop, are Kiki Jiki, Kyle, JetchMT, Baptiste, Baptiste Jr., and Bobby. Thanks for your support. And our good friends, the slightly less cream of the crop, but still relative to most of the world. They're still good. pretty creamy. Yeah, definitely, you know, clearly not the best, but much better than most, are Adam, Zach, Britton, Kyle, Caroline, Eric, Sam, Duncan, Wilson, Tobias, Paul. Jarvis, Cataclysmic, you. Beep. Booster Therapy, Greg, Hot Soup, Ari, Ari, Rob, Matthew, Brent, Moosh has brought the shenanigans detector. 
Winchester and Will. This is the part in the show where I, re- I, I, I have a brief panic moment and try and figure out if Ari sent me a request this week that I've forgotten about. So let me just quickly go and make sure that he hasn't done that. Oh, no, dude, there's, there's an unread message in my inbox. Um, Only one? I would have expected like at least six or seven. Okay, look, man, there... Uh, whatever, whatever. You, you know, you know what, uh, man. I've re- I've messed it up all all again. But whatever. We're gonna move on. Um, I I literally can't tell if this is a bit or if this is actually true. Let's move on to our card of the week segment. Ben, what is your card of the week? My card of the week is Grim Tutor. Grim Tutor is a sorcery for one BB. Search your library for a card. Lose three. Put it into your hand. Lose three life. And maybe shuffle your library. Or whatever. Blah blah blah. Um. So this card is notable for being playable in Vintage once upon a time. Um, way back when, you could maybe play Four Lions of Diamonds. I don't really remember necessarily. I don't I don't think that was it. But it, it saw play in Storm. And now they've printed it into Standard. And people are like, you know, oh, wow, Grim Tutor is going to be great. Like, it's really not. That card is really bad. I'm probably going to try casting it to find Winota because I have a problem. Um... But you should not put Grim Tutor in any of your decks. Standard is not about paying three mana to search your library for a card and put it into your hand, even if that card is as powerful as Wilderness Reclamation or, um, you know, Elspeth Conquers Death or something like that. You just... Magic has moved on. You just don't have time to be spending that much mana. Grim Tutor has only seen play in, like, Dark Ritual decks in the past uh, where you would, like... Just go get Necropotence and then and then cast Necropotence and then your opponent would be dead. So, yeah, don't don't put this card in your deck. I think, especially like in limited. If you have if you have like a super bomb in limited, I think you could play it. Um, but I think it will not make the majority of your decks in limited. Do you think this card or Diabolic Tutor? Should have should be played more often in limited in in like a, a limited deck. Um, I do think Grim Tutor is better than Diabolic Tutor. Okay, I think it's not by much. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure of the answer. I I thought it was probably close. Yeah, three life is a lot of life. It's it's a ton. Yeah, and I I didn't play Diabolic Tutor very often, so. In limited, you, this it's not going to matter as much because you're not going to play a bunch of Grim Tutors. In constructed, someone could trick themselves into playing a bunch of Grim Tutors, and you know then you're going to draw multiples and it's going to be real bad. Well, you couldn't prevent that. Oh, by playing Yorian? No, 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 no. With your first Grim Tutor, if you just if you just chain through and get all your Grim Tutors out of your deck, you can then not draw anymore with your draw uh, steps. You can, you can cap yourself at three, also, at least. Like, you just don't have to cast the fourth one. Right, yeah, that's true. So, the card much better, I think, than you're, you're expecting. I, I could think of a way that you could cap yourself at zero. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you cast, like, uh, one of the hand, like, the search target player's deck for Grim Tutors? Oh, yeah, like on Mordigo or whatever? Can you yeah. target yourself with those? I uh, don't no, you have, you have think to trick so. Opponent. Yeah, like you can that. you could target yourself with surgical, maybe not with Unmort Ego. There's a new one actually, I think, and maybe it's in Jumpstart. Necromentia. Okay, yeah, Necromentia. Is that, that in? Yeah. Bonus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're you're gonna you're gonna need a pretty convoluted sequence of events to get your opponent controlling this spell, targeting you, 
I guess I guess you just um I don't know, you mind slaver them. Yeah, are there any standard legal mind slavers? I don't think so. So yeah, maybe maybe Grim Tutor is just waiting for that kind of thing to be playable. Hey, but if you actually yeah, you could use the first one to go and find that and then you're you could you know, make it so you don't ever draw another one. So that's a little bit of a one two punch there. We'll talk about that more as the as the appropriate cards get spoiled in future expansions. Sam, what is your card of the week? My card of the week is Witch's Cauldron, which is one black for an artifact that says uh, a colorless and a black tap, sacrifice a creature, you gain one life and draw a card. And I think this card is is reasonably cool, and I, I'm kind of you know moderately excited to play with it. But I'm a little perturbed that there's a card called Cauldron Familiar that's legal and standard, and it's better with Witch's Oven than it is with Witch's Cauldron. That that's kind of it's kind of throwing me off. I got you know I'm not I'm not thrilled about that. You sound like Thomas Ashton right now. Well, I don't know. I just want to like I just want to do what the cards tell me to do. And this one is the you know this one is saying play. Uh, this card is probably good with Cauldron Familiar, but it it should be the best with Cauldron Familiar. Yeah. Yeah. I just have to take it up with Watsy Creative. They really bungled that the naming. I will. I'll I'll send some messages. I'll I'll fix it up. The thing is, Witch's Oven was the Hansel and Gretel thing, and it also it makes food, so it's like so thematic. Cauldrons make like potions, and well, yeah. Then clearly, my beef seems to be with the Cauldron Familiar. Yeah, I guess it should be like that should oven. have been Oven's Familiar. Yep. Which is familiar <laughs> something. Yeah, Oven's Oven's Familiar sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> It's familiar with an oven. It knows its way around an oven. I mean, it, it's true, right? At this point, it does. That's mostly what the what the cat gets that, up to these days. That two-card combo is going to be illegal for another year, isn't it? Holy Enjoy. Mercy. All right, my card of the week is Path to Exile. Path to Exile is a single white mana for an instant. Exile target creature, its controller may search their library for a basic land card. Uh, put that onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle their library. Now this, of course, is a very good card, but I picked it this week because I've been playing Path of Exile, a different game entirely, and I've hijacked the Card of the Week segment to talk about that instead. Uh, so that's that's been a game I've been playing recently. If anybody's interested in a game that has tremendous depth of like character customization and uh, like complicated systems, uh, it is a game with with really, really, really deep amounts of character progression available. This is an action RPG, so uh, it's it, gameplay is, you know, uh, like Diablo 2 or whatever, where you, you're top-down and you click to move your character around, and, uh, you know, most monsters die pretty quick, and there are some boss fights that are kind of difficult, but for the most part, you just kind of run around, kill stuff, and get loot, and the loot, you know, makes you able to kill more stuff, but uh, there's just massive, like, massive intricate systems layered on top of this, like 20 different ones, and each of them could be, like, a standalone video game themselves, really. Or, well, maybe not, but you know, there's there's a lot of depth to them, and uh, it can be a really fun thing to sink a lot of hours into if you have that kind of time. You really are the worst kind of person. What? Why? I like Path of Exile. I think it's a cool game and pretty fun. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with the game. I'm just offended at wizard at at Tristan's use of the. Card oh, of the this week. is where you're drawing the line, huh? This is where, didn't Sam pick the Ace of Spades or something two weeks ago? Yeah, that's four weeks ago? funny. 
That was funny and creative. This is lame and boring. You're lame and boring. All right, let's move on to our main topic, where this is going to be different from Card of the Week, because instead of picking cards for whatever reason, we're going to pick cards from Corset 2021 only, and only to talk about them, I guess kind of in any way we want to, but mostly we've picked our own constructed cards here. So, uh, Benjamin, you have the first one here. Yeah, so my card is Angelic Ascension, which is very similar to Path of Exile. Uh, it's one in a white uh, for, I think, an instant. Yeah, it is an instant. Exile target creature or planeswalker. Its controller creates a 4-4 white angel creature token with flying. So it's like a path to exile that can remove creatures or planeswalkers, but your opponent gets a constellation price 4-4 angel, which I think is generally a lot more relevant than a land. So I'm kind of wondering... This card is not playable, right? Oh, I totally completely disagree. Okay. I think this card is quite good. You know that you can target your own stuff with it. That is a good point. You can target your own stuff with it. So here, let me let me let me tell you. A you, tale. I guess Sam loves a rapid hybridization. So. Let me let me spin you a yarn, Ben. <laughs> My, you play on your turn. On let's say turn three, the perfect turn for this, a Teferi Time Raveler. Your opponent doesn't have a board yet, so so you tick it up. Let's say, then on their turn they play a, a, a some kind of threatening permanent, like let's say maybe their own Teferi. Still don't have anything, so they tick theirs up. You turn angel their Teferi into an angel. Is good. It's good with Teferi. I will well, give you that. And let me let me keep going here. Let's let's keep it going. Let's say uh, you played a three drop on your turn, and I'm on the draw. I play my Teferi. I have nothing to do but bounce your, you know, bounce your. Uh, let's say it's a <gasps> Woe Strider. Then on your turn, you replay the Woe Strider. I tick up my Teferi. You attack Woe Strider at Teferi. Boom! Suddenly Teferi's an angel, and he eats your Woe Strider. Oh, I was thinking about it as. Uh... Uh, that doesn't work, actually, right? Why not? If the planeswalker is removed from com- is, if the planeswalker leaves the battlefield, isn't the creature removed from combat? No, I don't no. think so. I think it's still just attacking. It's just attacking. Yeah. Okay. Well, that that would be better then. Also, think... yeah, your opponent tries to do fairy minus on your your creature or whatever. You just fizzle mm-hmm. it and get an mm-hmm. angel to kill. Well, the I can then. think. I can okay. think of some reasons why you shouldn't do that. Work. Don't oh, try yeah, to yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah, that's not going to work because of Teferi's other line. That, that one's going to make that, okay, if, not work. If their Teferi only had three loyalty, and they were, you know, using it up, so it was yes. dying, uh-huh. then you could do it. But mm. for the most part, it cannot be done. Right, all right, that, wow, that, that line just, every time there's a new card spoiled, I've always, uh, always got to remember that stupid thing. But yeah, Ben, I, I really disagree about this card being unplayable. I think this card is, is probably pretty strong. Yeah, I'm definitely willing to admit I'm wrong, like rapid hybridization was a good card. Uh, that one was a little that was weird. For pretty specific reasons. Yeah, that one had, but like, I think hitting a planeswalker just, is upside, and I think the the token being so good, meaning that it's like actually good to hit your own creature. Like, this is a good rate to hit your own creature if 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 your creature like cantripped or whatever. I don't know. I guess you could just go healer's hawk. Bam! Plus three, plus three. Let's go. Right. Well, like that's not great, but. You know, imagine that. I, I don't know. I, I I think this card is. I think this card is at least good enough to to, to consider that it might show up. 
Yeah. I guess it also if you play like grindy come into play ability creatures, like having an out to opponent planeswalkers when you like don't care that much about the creature because your deck is already like grinded, then yeah. I guess it's, it might not be that bad. It's also uh, very good with Brazen Borrower. Yeah. It is good with Brazy B. Yeah, no, I, I could definitely be wrong. All right, my next card is Discontinuity. Discontinuity is three blue, blue, blue for an instant that says end the turn. And then as long as it's your turn, this spell costs two blue, blue less to cast. Which means that on your turn, this can be used as one in a blue to uh, exile target spell that your opponent's playing. Is, I imagine, the... Uh, the largest use of this thing? No, no, no. no, you, no, no you make no, an no. attack. They they line up a block. You're like, wait, f- this was not a good attack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, I think you guys are failing to use your imagination. Imagine that you have, say, an Uro with a sacrifice me trigger on the stack. Okay, yeah, yeah. And you've already resolved to put a land into play and draw card ability to get to your second mana, your second untapped mana. That might be a great time to have the turn stop. Yeah, this card does seem pretty powerful. Also, can we pour one out for my boy Time Stop, who is basically strictly worse than this card? What if you don't like math puzzles? What's the math puzzle? I, I don't out, understand. Every, figuring out what this thing costs after, after you subtract two blue blue from its cost. One doesn't just dislike or like math puzzles. They're just objectively enjoyable. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, this thing has quite a bit of power in the... Like, as long as, long as you're playing it in, in a deck where... It, like, especially if you have that Ura thing going on, but, you know, the, the modality here is pretty pretty big, right? Oftentimes, you'll be able to fire this thing off for value on your turn. And in, in maybe not every game, but I think in enough games to justify, given that the... You know, the six-mana mode of this is uh, is basically Ooh. time walk, right? I've got another one. What if your opponent, Yorian, Charming Prince? Oh, I like where your head's at there. <laughs> I like that a lot. Or, yeah. I mean, also, what if they Yorian and it's your, and it's, it's, you just have six mana, right? Yeah, like, the front mode is good against Yorian, obviously. I mean, just anything that, like, Tail's End also does that, right? Yeah. Tail's End has weird modes. That card is strange. All right, next card do, belongs... Do you think... Oh, good. I want to know if Sam thinks this card will see play. I do not. I don't think that this card is partic- is good enough. I think I think it's, like, close, and it wouldn't be embarrassing to play with, and, like, I could imagine sometimes it being good. But my guess is that the average case is not going to be good enough that you that people will play with this card very much. Like, I think it's it you know it'll be somebody's pet card and they'll play with it a ton and they'll have some awesome moments with it because it has so many like sort of different modalities and different things you could do with it. But I think overall it's it's just going to be too weak on average. Yeah, I kind of think. So, like, expensive blue cards are kind of in a bad place because of Mystical Dispute. But on the other hand, expensive blue cards are kind of in a good place because the blue ramp is so good 
like Uro and Growth Spiral are just obscenely powerful magic cards. So I don't know. I kind of I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a shot. Like the Uro interaction you mentioned is quite powerful. Oh yeah, but, if you, if you play turn two Growth Spiral, turn three Uro, you can put this in. You can play this on that turn. Yeah, that, and that's like that seems gross. potentially quite strong. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I would give this like a thirty percent chance of seeing like widespread play. Yeah, I think I think I'm a little more pessimistic than you. Like I think I'm closer to fifteen percent. Mm-hmm. But I, I think you're sort of you're in the right ballpark, certainly. All right, Sam. Next card belongs to you. All right, my next card is Shacklegeist. This is uh, one and a blue for a two mana two two. So t- a two two uh, flying that can only block creatures with flying. So we we call that high flying typically. Uh, and it has it's a spirit that's very important. And it has tap two untapped spirits you control to tap target creature you don't control. And I predict that this card is probably not going to make. Uh, modern spirits have a resurgence because I think that the problems with that deck have more to do with the the cards that people are the non-creatures that people are playing these days as opposed to the creatures so I don't think that getting an additional answer there is particularly helpful but I do think in Pioneer this card will be a very big player I think I think spirits is already pretty good in Pioneer and one of their big weaknesses is that they don't have anything on the level of Path to Exile they don't have any, you know, super cheap removal. So they often have to rely on Nebelgast Herald, I think is the name of the card. The three mana two one where it's like whenever you play a spear, you get to tap something. And this card is so much better than that. This gives you like repeatable taps whenever you want it. Uh, as long as you, you know, are paying the cost of playing with a million spirits, which I think is really strong. It's also really good with lingering souls. Although, again, that that's more of a modern thing and I don't think good enough. That's at least something to think about. So I, I'm excited for this card. I, I like playing with spirits, and I think this will be a, a worthy addition to that deck. I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you. Uh, I think this card is a lot worse than Neville Gas Herald in the spirits deck. One thing I think is true about that deck is you really just want to be attacking all the time. Like, but that's because you have no way to deal with opponent stuff. Like once you're once you have this, and you can like tapping two creatures is a huge cost that's so much damage like nebelgast herald plays defense as it plays offense and this card does not that is true but i mean also costing two is a big deal like the spirits deck has a lot of threes right now it's pretty clunky i think i think i think this card is a huge upgrade for them i don't know if they'll cut nebelgast herald but i predict they they will play play four nebelgast heralds and perhaps some number of this card but okay okay i i'm i'm willing to put my money where my mouth is on that i predict that the the between really the release of this set and the release of the next set the first spirits deck that makes like a a major pioneer tournament top eight will have four of this card i i'm not we'll definitely have four of this card that's what i'll say we'll definitely have four of this card i will definitely take the under on that Nice. Okay, right. we got yep. we got some action. Hang on, I'll put that into our show notes so we can look at it. First yeah. spirits deck. I was just willing Shacklegeist. to say that 
have more heralds than Shacklegeist, but all right, I, I'll take that if you prefer. No, 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 no. You're, you're, no. Your bet is better for me. Okay. <laughs> I was only mentioning this because we already locked it in. Because, Ben, a common thing that happens that I found in the spirit deck is they like they build up these lords and kill you in one big turn. So, like, they 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 hit you for like thirteen in a turn. So it's not a big deal for them to spend some turns just hitting with one guy and tapping the rest of their team to keep your relevant creatures tapped. Like, I don't think that that's actually a very big cost for them. Mm. I don't think so. I think they... Like, no one can block any of the creatures anyway. And, like, they right, don't... Right, but this does. This is kind of lets you block. Right. Yeah, but... That's, what, that's the whole point. No, I'm saying, I'm saying the spirit, like, I'm saying no one can block any of the spirit cards anyway. All right, whatever. We'll 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 just have to let time tell here. Yep. There's no other way to know what will happen in, in magic. So, uh, what's our purpose again? Tristan, what's wait? What's your opinion of this? Um, I want to I want to get the the expert opinion. Or all at right, least Tristan's. Opinion. Well, I guess my biggest thing here was when you were describing this card. You you mentioned that it has high fly. I thought high flying was when you could only be blocked by creatures with flying. Is it really that you can That's only block just creatures flying. flying? That's just regular flying. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. That... What you just described as flying. <laughs> All right. So high flying is just worse than flying. Yes. Yeah. Obviously. Man, I, I thought that high flying was, like, better than flying. I thought that was, like, flying even even higher above. So that's my insight on the card Shacklegeist. <gasps> Let's move on to Ben's next card here. My next card is Basri's Lieutenant. Basri's Lieutenant is a 3-4 for Three generic mana and one white mana. It is a human knight. It has vigilance and protection from multicolored. And when Basri's lieutenant enters the battlefield, you may put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. When Basri's lieutenant or another creature you control dies, if it had a plus one plus one counter on it, create a two two white knight creature token with a vigilance. So I bring this card up because it is a fairly expensive human with a lot of abilities and kind of a big body. And humans are good with this card, Winota, that you may have heard about, which when you attack with non-humans, you get to put humans from the top of your deck into play. And this card is not legendary, unlike a lot of the expensive humans. Um, so you can actually put a bunch of them into play if you hit a bunch of them off of Winota triggers. And it's quite good with... Um, like, it's quite good with Winota triggers. Or, or it's quite good in multiples, I mean, because you get just a ton of knights when creatures... You get more creatures with plus one plus one counters, and you also get more knights when the things die. Because one of the main ways that people can get out of Winota uh, board states is by casting Shatter the Sky or some Wrath of God. Um, but this card nicely sidesteps that. Um, that you can said... Also counter attackers, right? Like, one of the ways that I've beaten Winota in the past is, like, block all their non-humans and then next turn deal with the humans or whatever but this you could you could stack up a bunch of knights which are also not humans yep yep the trigger lets you redo your winota turn if you have like a small winota and you like only hit a basri's lieutenant or something then you might still be able to go again next turn um and like protection from multicolored if stone coil serpent has taught us anything it's that there's a lot of good multicolored cards protection from multicolored is no joke that's a good ability um all that said, I don't really think you want to be paying the the full rate on this card. Like, four mana is a lot. Uh, 
for something that has a mild effect when it comes into play. If you're playing with other plus one plus one counters, I guess it gives you some protection from Wrath of God um, the turn you cast it. But I think generally it's best if you try not to cast this card and mostly just try to hit it with Winota. But I'm definitely going to try building more like new Winota decks with this card because I think it is like it is powerful enough to be cheating into that it makes it worth it. Like you will probably win the game if you just hit enough Badger's Lieutenants. They do a lot of damage. You know what this card is really weak to, though? Elspeth Conqueror's Death? Yeah, you, you nailed it. Yeah. Elspeth Conqueror's Death is a good magic card. <laughs> yeah, like but, one, of know, the, the, one of the modes of this is that it can target itself and then could get you a 2-2 when it dies. But uh, Elspeth Conqueror's Death is both not multicolored and it doesn't kill things. That's why I said you don't really want to be casting them. Like, you can cast them and not be, like... You know, at least it's kind of a big body, but you really want to try avoid casting them if you can, I suspect. It's also a knight. I'm not sure how relevant that is, but, like, it does work with Acclaimed Contender, which is another kind of expensive human that's kind of good to put into play. Um, but I don't know how much, like, a Winota Knight crossover, how much potential there is there. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, wait, there there's... aren't a lot of non-human knights in white, right? They're mostly red and black. Yeah. In fact, I might even say that there are no non-human knights in white. Anyways. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's move on to, uh, to the next card here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> was like, do I have something intelligent to say? No. Of course not. <laughs> it's better to keep my mouth shut. Yeah. This, this creature is a knight that doesn't have horsemanship. What do you think of that? They call that low flying. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is deeply bothersome to me. Yeah. Uh, well, I just I don't understand why they print these cards that are clearly depicted on horses and don't give them the horsemanship mechanic. What was the purpose of creating a horsemanship mechanic if it wasn't to apply to this card? But that's that, that's a rant for another day. My next card is See the Truth. See the Truth is one in a blue for a sorcery that says, look at the top three cards of your library, put one of those cards into your hand, and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. If this spell was cast from anywhere other than your hand, put each of those cards into your hand instead. Uh, so the most apparent synergies with this in older formats are Snapcaster Mage and... Uh, Cascade effects, so Shardless Agent or uh, what's the other one? The three, the 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 four mana, Bloodbraid Elf. That's the one. Um, those cards have been ones that have been discussed a little bit in conjunction with this card because then it turns into a two mana draw three, or I guess it just it, it just does draw those three cards. I'm curious if there's going to be any way to make like any value out of this kind of effect in in standard as well. My guess is probably not. I, my, my, my guess is that the sorcery tag on this kind of effect is just not worth the upside in some percentage of games where you can, you know, depending on what, what way you have to trigger this effect, uh, the second, like the, you know, the good part of the spell, but I don't know. It, it is reasonably powerful. I, I don't, I guess I, I would predict to not see this card in any formats where like, I, I don't think people will end up successfully casting this thing again with Snapcaster Mage or cascading into it, but it is a very powerful effect if you do get that to happen. So, yeah, I'm not sure. 
Can we first appreciate how cool this card is? Yeah. I think it's so cool. Um, like, I love, like, little mini quests with cards. And I think that the payoff here is, like, not incredibly broken. And the, the like, floor is also not too low. That I think I think this card is just a really cool design. I really hope it shows up somewhere. Like I'm, it's true that it's true that the best ways to enable it are cards that are legal in modern, where the power level probably isn't high enough to see play. Um, but I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. Like anticipate is just a card that has seen play in standard time and time again. So sorcery like, anticipate is rough. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> I don't know. I'm 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 hopeful. I guess that they'll probably print enablers at some point in standard, and then there and there then are we... some decent enablers right now. There's um graveyards. There's, there's three mana Chandra. Uh, there's right, uh pass. there's Keep the going. the red finale. That card's good. Yeah, I think like if if Arclight Phoenix oh, were to see some resurgence, this could be a, a way to, to have that work that would be decent. Yeah, that's but, not happening. Can I, may I remind you about our old friend Elspeth Conquer's death? Yeah, yeah. Elspeth Conquer's death and Narset people is a card people still play with that has usually been pretty troublesome for the old Phoenix. Um, so listeners, long-time listeners of the podcast may recall that here at Allied Strategies, we often pick a card and, like, various sets and then complain about it endlessly a tradition that started with Dromoka's command um elspeth conquers death is going to be that card probably oh absolutely sure because that card is incredibly oppressive and it's really stupid and boring when your opponent casts it like five times in a game because it's really easy to buy back between yorian and teferi and tamio and all these other cards um so oh, ben we're going to complain about that a lot so Light up the up. stage. How does that? How does that tickle your fancy? Oh, 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 oh. It's too bad that card wants you to do things that are like kind of the opposite of what Anticipate wants you to do. Yeah, uh, mission briefing and Underworld Breach also both work. <laughs> oh, Underworld Breach! Now we're talking. <laughs> Ex- experimental Frenzy. It's <laughs> not really a combo. I would say but... not the best. <laughs> but so there some... are. Is there some way you can can turn See the Truth into a tribal sorcery goblin? And then you could cast it with Conspicuous Snoop. Ooh. Bolus's Citadel also works. Ooh. I do like a Bolus's Citadel. Yeah, I think of all the cards you named, I feel like only Finale is the the best one. And that card is unplayable because of Teferi. I agree. Yeah. It is too bad that that card is just completely unplayable because it is a cool card. We we had the following conversation when this card was spoiled in in the Nass household. Matt Matt Nass sent to me and BK, "Is this card busted?" and then sent a picture of it. BK and I both said, "Oh, that's a cool design." No, I don't think this card is particularly busted or or probably even good in standard. And Matt goes, "Okay." And then about 5 minutes later, "But are you sure it's not busted?" <laughs> So clearly this card spoke to him on some level, although I... I Man, maybe I that's a red flag, card, actually. <laughs> I think this card will not be good enough. I, I, I think I think it's a super cool design and, like, close to good enough, but just not good enough. Yeah, I saw a comment in a, a Reddit thread that said, this is the kind of card, if they, if they printed it in, like, Modern Horizons, it would have been an instant and would have caused a lot of problems. Yes, like, I, agree. I agree. Yeah. 
That instant speed would be uh, quite a thing. All right, uh, Sam, you're up next. My next card is Village Rights. And this is a card I'm relatively confident will show up. This is one black for an instant that says, as an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice a creature. And it says, draw two cards. And uh, yeah, this this is exactly the kind of card I'm into. I love sacrificing creatures. I think it's one of my favorite things to do in Magic. And this is the cheapest version of this effect. We've seen, you know, Alters Reap... Uh, a fair amount before for two mana with the exact same text. Um, but I think for just a single black, you're, you're really getting a good deal here. Um, it's really good with claim the firstborn. It seems like it's, you know, perfectly primed to fit in some kind of Jund sacrifice deck. If that is still a thing, which I imagine it will be, it kind of feels like, I guess mayhem devil rotates, but Corvald will still be around. So even post rotation, I, I would, be surprised if this card didn't show up in some capacity because just because i think it's very very powerful sorry is this card an instant oh my god it is it is an instant yes this card yeah, is this, very good right yeah this is just alters reap minus one mana like okay i'm also hold on let me make sure no one else is talking about this card okay no one is there's also this liliana's standard bearer card which is like a 3-1 flash for 3 when it enters the battlefield you draw X cards where X is the number of creatures that died under your control this turn like both of these cards seem to reward you a lot for having random duders around to sacrifice like I don't know those cards seem very strong to me and could could change the way that the sacrifice decks are built a little bit like, if there's yeah, these card engines that aren't, like, super focused on Trail of Crumbs, like, I think there could be something there. Like, in particular, this Luliana Standard Bear card is really good with Priest of the Forgotten Guards. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, and one of the big downsides of Priest is often that you don't have things to spend the mana on yeah. if you use it on your turn or whatever. And this Alter's Reap card is just... Man... Okay. I know we said for the PT finals we would probably just all play Team Reclamation, but I'm I'm probably gonna go back to the drawn board and try really hard not to. <laughs> yeah, this this thing's a really good combo with eye collector, right? <laughs> yeah, it's true. This is one of the best things I've ever seen to do with eye collector. The best part about that once you're finished, you do not control an eye collector anymore. And that's, my goodness, is that a great place to be? Yeah, you you like turn one eye collector, turn two this, you've just gotten a great deal. That's a two-mana draw, too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. um... No, it's not. You just cycled both cards. Yeah, but you've drawn two cards. What are you talking about? That's clearly a draw, too. Probably got into damage. Yeah, and you milled them for one. You're kind of coming out way ahead, actually. All right, Benjamin, tell us about the next card on this list here. All right, the next card on the list is Elder Gargaroth. Elder Gargaroth is a mythic rare. It costs 3 GG for a 6-6 Vigilance Reach Trample. And when Elder Gargaroth attacks or blocks, choose one. Create a 3-3 Green Beast creature token. You gain 3 life or draw a card. So now you might look at this card and see 8,000 keywords and a lot of text in it and be like, oh, this is the next questing beast. Look at all the things that it does. But I am here to tell you, dear listener, that this card is a trap and horrible 
and you should never, ever put it in your main deck. I will concede that it might be good in the sideboard, maybe. But I'm still having a little trouble imagining what it would be good against. I think like a mid-range red deck. So maybe like if you know you're going to play me in a tournament just over and over, like clones of me, you could put it in your sideboard. But I think probably other than that, it's best to stay away from it. Because this card does not do anything the turn it comes into play. It does not have haste like Questing Beast. It costs another mana. Um, and the gap from four to five, I think, is a considerable one, uh, especially with how much like two mana ramp we have running around these days. Um, and really just expensive creatures that don't do anything the turn they come into play are extremely punished in our current standard environment. I would say they're extremely punished in every standard environment, but even more so in this one with the existence of cards like Teferi and Elspeth Conqueror's Death. Man, Elspeth Conquer's death. Um, so this card just ain't it, you know? And even if you get to attack with it, like, the effect is not that good. I mean, you get to draw a card, I guess, or maybe get a 3-3. Like, a 3-3 is probably better than a card on average. Um, I guess it's cute that it triggers on the turn, like, when it blocks. So if you play this card, it's basically moat. But your opponent really has to just be all in on attacking you for it to be good. Yeah, As a five mana card, I don't think it's good against red decks. Yeah, I'm I'm off this thing as well. This, this one does not does not strike me as particularly where you want to be. Yeah, in in days gone by, I could have imagined this card being good. Like in a world where everyone didn't have access to ubiquitous removal, that was very punishing to five drops that don't have an impact on the board the turn they come into play i think this would be good but because most people have like teferi elspeth conquers death uh priest of the forgotten gods or kill you with wilderness reclamation i think that like even as a sideboard sort of juke card where you're like oh they take out their removal i bring in the elder gargaroth and then and then just takes over the game I think that's just not going to happen. I, I don't really see how that would work in in the current environment. Um, one question I have, though, Ben, for you, is how do you think this Gargaroth got to be Elder if it could not conquer death? How do you think that happened? Uh, I mean, I think it could still conquer death, but it's more about Elspeth conquering it. Like, you tell the story of Elspeth Conquer's death, and you're like, oh, Elspeth got attacked by an Elder Gargaroth, but she, you know, you know, sent it to another plane, maybe. You know, maybe he's just living his life out in the other plane. The well, sorts of plowshares, like, the implication is not that the creature was killed, but that the creature, you know, decided not to fight anymore. Just took up, took up farming, you know? How old do you have to be to have, like, encountered death and been victorious, right? Don't, don't some percentages of Gargaroths just aren't they naturally going to live a long time and they have yet to encounter death to have the opportunity to either conquer it or be conquered by it? I would make the argument that this is just a, a you know a fortunate Gargaroth who had a good time you know early in life and avoided common pitfalls on whatever whatever plane it's on and has therefore been unchased by death yet but will certainly lose to it if that becomes a one v one that happens. So you're saying this should be renamed Lucky Gargaroth? Well, I think that to some extent, Elder and Lucky are are two correlated uh, prefixes. All right, interesting. I think I agree. Let's move on to the next card here. 
Hold on. Can I'm just imagining right now this gigantic Gargaroth just being taken down by a chupacabra because it was hungry. <laughs> the, the chupacabra just unhinges its jaw and gets, <laughs> gets the whole thing in there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my next card is Niambi uh, Esteemed Speaker. Niambi Esteemed Speaker is blue and a white for a 2-1 legendary human cleric at rare. It has flash. When it enters the battlefield, you may return another target creature you control to its owner's hand. If you do, you gain life equal to that creature's converted mana cost, and you can pay one a blue and a white and tap it and discard a legendary card to draw two cards. This is a card that was picked out for me by Sam, and I will now ask Sam, what do you think about this card? Oh my god, this is embarrassing. You this can't is, even make anything so up. I think this card is pretty neat. I think like a legend build around uh, in a way that is not necessarily about the board is, is kind of an interesting angle to take on it. Like this is kind of a grandeur ability that it has of sorts where like, you know, if you have multiples of a legend that you're not interested in, you can. Yeah. If you have you four of this thing, away. you're never, you, you never extra copies of this, but this particular card are never bricked. Right. Unless you happen to be stuck on two mana, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, or, or I mean, even if you're not stuck on two mana, you may not have the time to to activate that ability as well. But still, it, it's you know, yeah, it's good protection against that kind of effect. It doesn't need to be a legendary creature as well. You could discard, you know, a planeswalker, a land, a legendary land. You can get your hand on one of those things. It it is also often kind of powerful to have the ability to discard a card when you're using Elspeth Conquer's death. Like sometimes you know your your creatures don't just, die. Just to pick a card. At just random. just to pick a card at random that this might be good with. Um, so like I think that is one possible angle for this thing. Um, I don't know. I I just think this card is pretty cool. Like I think Walter Fairy is around a two mana two one flash that like has some protective abilities are probably not going to be particularly good. Like you're probably not going to want to use this very often. Um, but I. I I think this is a really cool design, and I could also imagine discarding Uro to it, you know, because Uro and Elspeth Conquer's Death haven't really seen enough play, so it's nice to have finally the card that could enable the one, one of those two. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think this is a cool design, and I think this is a reasonably powerful card. Niambi is Teferi's daughter, right? Correct. Her, her previous card was a, a Planeswalker deck card called Niambi Faithful Healer. And the flavor text there was, my father will be happy to see you. And she searched for a Teferi card. So gotcha. pretty, pretty clear connection there. So we, we need the parent to, to give up the legacy to the child before, before Niambi can take her place in, in the hallowed halls of standard. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's currently in her dad's shadow. Uh, yeah. But, but could... I don't know. I mean, I don't necessarily I love cards think... like this. Mm-hmm. These cards, I love the like, I don't know, fairies style tricky creatures that you want to attack with to put pressure on your opponent. It's cool. I like it. Yeah, it's very open ended. Also, it's also very good with another card from this set that maybe will be good enough, but probably not, which is Baron Talarian Archmage. Um. Which has at the beginning, I guess it only triggers on your end step, so that does make it worse. I wasn't sure if Baron was both players' end step or just yours. It's at the beginning of your end step, if a permanent was put into your hand from the battlefield, you draw a card. 
If it triggered on on both players' turns, I think that would be that would be pretty sweet with Niambi. Into your hand, I see. Yeah, Baron is like a His he's a, is like. Rage. I don't know. Man War is always very close to constructed playable, so I think a card like this is definitely um, plausible to see play. It, it's great to see a Baron card. Baron was one of my like favorite um, characters, like oh, way back when in the Dominaria cycle. Like just him being like the the basically Urza's straight man. You know, Urza's like not really goofy, but like. Like Urza's a like, there's alien. no bad ideas kind of guy. Urza's like this like amoral alien person who ends up like exper- like doing really weird experiments. And Baron is sort of like this combination of of straight man and like moral advisor. And I don't know. I I always thought that Baron was just really cool. And like he's like one of the only humans that this like godlike being respects, basically. Um, yeah, the flavor yeah. text on obliterate was it was one of the like hardest hitting moments in the magic story for me. For his family, Baron made a funeral pyre of Talaria. Yeah, because this is when he's he's grieving after Hana dies, right? And the Phyrexians are invading, and he's just like, "All right, we're blowing everything up." Yeah, he just he just he goes into it mode. Ooh, wow. I shouldn't have said that. I, I Man, that's the second it. one this show. Yeah, we got. Ben got, got me earlier as well. Man, I'm taking so many notes about these timestamps. I'm gonna come back in and bleep all those things out. Ugh. That's we gotta keep the show family friendly, Benjamin and Sam. Well, you now. if you're gonna if you're gonna make us pick your cards, we're gonna have to make you do a little extra work. All right, deal. Sam. <laughs> Not only did we pick his cards, he just didn't even have anything. He couldn't even come up with anything to say. I'm, I'm gonna be honest. Like, I hadn't and... even I hadn't like read it or thought about. I, I had actually I read this card when it was a spoiler and I thought it was pretty cool, but I hadn't remembered that I needed to prepare something to say about it. I just was like, oh, cool, Sam gave me a card. I'll just put it in my list. And then I forgot about it. And then we got to where we did, and I'm not proud of it, but that's what happened. Sam, you're up next, though, with uh, a, a card that you picked for yourself this time. Yeah, uh, surprisingly. My card, the, the, my next card that I picked is Conclave Mentor. It's one and a white for a 2-2 Centaur Cleric. And it says, if one or more plus one plus one counters would be put on a creature you control, put that many plus one plus one plus one counters on that creature instead. And it also says, when Conclave Mentor dies, you gain life equal to its power. So this is a card that is very reminiscent of, uh, for example, Walking or uh, Winding Constrictor or Hardened Scales, both. Um, and I think that it is in a much better color for a hardened scales deck than winding constrictor one of the like winding constrictor is very very powerful with all the plus and encounter stuff but black adds almost nothing to that equation whereas in white you get you know access to a bunch of like pretty powerful effects that put plus almost encounters on your creature like dromoka's command for example in, in oh. modern pioneer I, I thought that might elicit such a reaction yeah basri cat as well has a plus one plus one counter on his plus one ability. Bosri's lieutenant. Bosri's lieutenant, as we discussed earlier. Yep, there's a there's a whole plus one plus one counter theme in white in this set. Even yeah, the, uh, the the Loxodon still hasn't rotated. Uh, whatever that guy's called, the the five mana four fox. Yeah, that's Hello. like really good with this. So I I don't know. I'm not sure if this card will be better than Winding Constrictor. I kind of suspect 
that one of the things that will hold it back in Pioneer, where I think Hardened Scales is actually a pretty good deck, is uh, the mana in green-white is a lot worse than the mana in green-black for the time being. I think that will probably change over time, but for now, I would expect you mostly still want to play with uh, with Winding Constrictor in your Hardened Scales deck, and I don't think that either of them are particularly good enough for modern. I don't think you want a, a Hardened Scales creature in your modern Hardened Scales deck. Um, but I think, you know, it's definitely worth trying in Pioneer, and over time, as new lands enter that, that bring the mana bases closer together, I think this, this one would be better if you could play the same mana base. Why don't you just play both? You could try that too. It's very possible. I don't think your mana... Like, one of the things about the Hardened Scales deck in Pioneer is that they play eight Llanowar Elves, and I don't think the mana really works once you go into three colors to try to do that. Um, but yeah, it's worth considering. All right, Benjamin, you have the next and final card here on our list for today. The next card I have is Bolt Hound, which is an unassuming card. It's a two and a red for a 2-2 two, two haste. Uh, when Whenever Bolt Hound attacks, other creatures you control get plus one, plus O oh until end of turn. So I think this card is actually pretty good like three mana two two haste is not really what you want to be paying for but a card like this like it adds a lot of power to the board like if you have you know just a few there's that red raise the alarm that was printed recently that i think is a pretty good card um there's obviously a bunch of red one drops that are good this card can really add to your goldfish and you know, it's not great to play post-Wrath or, or anything like that, but at least it has haste. Like, even on an empty board, it's okay. Um, three mana is is a little much for a red deck these days uh, if you're not playing Ember... Well, for the Cavalcade decks anyway, like, three mana is a little much, and it does compete with Chandra, which is, like, a pretty good card that dodges a lot of the, the common interaction. But I wouldn't be surprised to see this card see some play post-rotation. Um, I just think that it adds a lot of hasty power to the battlefield, and it's going to make blocking like pretty difficult. Like A lot of the times, people try to fight against red decks by playing creatures that have like one more toughness than, than their mana costs would allow for power. So like two threes for two, for example, and like X4s for three. And I think this card is going to be pretty decent at allowing you to attack past those. Although, obviously, it does suicide right into a 2-3 two, for 2, so maybe it's a little worse than I think. But I don't know. It just it's a, it seems like a pretty fast goldfish card. What is your opinion of this card's flavor text? Uh, so it is an elemental dog, clearly, because it's a hound. And the flavor text is, its spark is worse than its bite. Um, I do not enjoy this flavor text. Uh, I think the joke is too easy, and also a spark is not like... I think the joke is too forced, would be my, my, my claim. And I think spark carries connotations in Magic the Gathering that you don't want it, want to use it as, a word, as the word here. And also, like, a spark is not dangerous, right? Like, Man, I could not disagree more. I think this is an excellent flavor text. Its spark is worse than its bite. First of all, like, the, 
just the the way that if you print if you say it really fast it just sounds exactly like its bark is worse than its bike it's bike yeah that's the joke yeah i know that so that that part is is going nicely and then its spark is worse than its bite the spark that it provides to the rest of your team right the yeah getting the plus getting one plus zero by it is worse is this is the spark right the spark it's doing is the spark that your team needs to do more damage and its bite is pretty bad right two power for three mana is actually not a very painful bite so uh, the flavor text is descriptive and also, uh, you know, an elegant turn of an idiom. So I'm all about it. I, I agree with Tristan for what it's worth. I think Ben is wrong and dumb. What? Um, this I think, is, I think this is, is a so joke. Worse. Well, it's but I think like it works as a sentence too. If it was just nonsense, like root grievel or whatever, then <laughs> um, the the card right next to this on the Scryfall spoiler is Bone Pit Brute, which is a four or five Cyclops for six. That flavor text is "Welcome to the club," and its art is it with a big club. Yeah, like I, I think <laughs> that one's because, good too, though. I don't know, man. Because this forms a coherent sentence, it works as flavor text. Do you, are you familiar with Root Grievel, Ben? Uh, I think you've told it to me before, but you know, for the listeners, why don't you? It's, it's just it's a four mana two three that has some ability that destroys enchantments. I don't remember exactly what, but its flavor text is it's the root of all grievals. Yeah, that one is really forced, and that doesn't really make any sense. This makes perfect sense to me. Like, I could see somebody being like, "Oh, watch out for that bolt hound," but its spark is worse than its bite. So if you have to choose between the two, let it bite you. That's like a normal or at least a, a conversation I could imagine having with the resident of wherever Bolt Hound is from. It doesn't, I guess, corsets aren't really on any particular plane, so it could be from anywhere. Um, but the red cards are pretty Chandra-focused, so I would imagine that it's on uh, Ragatha, but it's also like pretty thematic for Ragatha, I think. Wait, is Chandra not from Kaladesh anymore? Uh, Ragatha is where she lived the majority of her life. Like, she, planes, she, she planeswalked she planeswalked from Kaladesh to Ragatha. Yeah, then she had her cathartic reunion when she got back to Kaladesh. Yeah, okay. I guess, I, I guess is, it's... The, houses the monastery where she grew up. I'm not seeing anything where it says that the plane... The, the, like I'm reading the red flavor texts right now, and I'm not there, seeing there's any... A lot of, there's a lot of Dominaria cards, too, so I'm, I'm, yeah. maybe I'm wrong about this. Oh, and there's some from Ravnica as well. Yeah, okay. I'm... Well, then there's also like destructive tampering or whatever, which is definitely from uh, from Kaladesh, right? Uh, I don't know what destructive tampering is, but sure, it's I the you. falter. It's a three mana falter or destroy an artifact. You know, I like the I like the Bone Pit Brute flavor text. Yeah, I like that too, actually. But it's a different oh, kind of thing, right? right? That one's not subtle, or I guess neither of them are particularly subtle. But... Neither of them are subtle. The Bone Pit Brute flavor text is like. It's, it's pretty funny. It's short. It's like very. It's you know. it's pretty red as well. Whereas yeah. This is this is not actually like this flavor text has got. But I don't know. Okay, like it works in three different ways, right? It works in just the obvious. All right, it sounds like its bark is worse than its bite. You know, we've got we've got that going for it. It works in the sense that like okay, according to the art, it looks like getting hit by a spark from this thing's electrified legs would hurt more than being bit by you know its regular mouth. And it also works mechanically with how the card, you know, functions with its power and toughness and its rules text. So uh, I think that this is all in all a pretty uh, whole, full package for flavor text. All right. But, Fine. you know, one, one, of the, one of the things here is that we're welcome to disagree about this. And there's pretty much no right answer for this except for I was right. 
let's move on to the end of our show for this week. Um, Benjamin, I guess I'll, I'll set the I'll set the stage. No, 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 no. Okay, you, no, you no I get to set it up. What? All right, go ahead, Benjamin. All right, so last week Eli Loveman was on, as listeners may be aware, and we were like, "Oh, Eli, you should tell a story," but Eli didn't really like being put on the spot, so instead. He gave me a story after the podcast was over so that he could use it the next time he's on the podcast. But what he foolishly forgot is that we run out of end stories all the time. So obviously I'm just going to steal his story and then say it on the show. Uh, and so he won't be able to use it the next time he, come on, he comes on. I'm sorry, Eli, but this is what, what you know, we'll tell the story. You can live vicariously through us. Um, and I haven't read it, so I don't know what's in the story, so I'm going to read it for the first time here on the air. All right, so and keep in mind, this is, this is from Eli Loveman's perspective. I was playing one of the last Vegas SCG events, and Summer Blood plus Titan was legal. I assume he means Bloom. I was playing Infect, and I kept a no-Infector hand, and my opponent had kept a, kind of a stinker also. So we were just playing Drago while he had six mana and no threat, and I had five mana and no threat. He draws a card and says, finally, and puts Hive Mind into play and casts Ancient Stirrings and Pact of Negation and looks at me like, please concede. I say, hold on, let's resolve the stack. So I get my copy of Ancient Stirrings, I stir and I find an Ink Moth, and then my copy of Pact of Negation counters his Stirrings. I untap and I pay for my copy of Pact and put Nexus into play. Oh no, the Infect deck could pay for Pact. He untaps and passes, and then I kill him next turn. So Eli's story was about how he got to pay for Pact of Negation through a hive mind. I feel like I should have read it in advance, and I maybe could have come up with some funnier things to talk about while telling the story. But Tristan had convinced me not to read it in advance. <laughs> and in so doing, I've not only yoinked Eli's story, but also made Baden seem like a fool. That is just a, a beautiful two-for-one. That is going to be all for us this week, though. We will unite again next week for more Knowledge Strategies. Yeah, also, like, browsing through the spoiler has sort of made me excited to... Hey, that's good. ...to hit the brewskis, you know? Sam... You can play Veto and Tavern Swindler. Goodbye.